So welcome to the Exploring Humanity podcast. I got Jessica on today, which I'm really excited about. And we are going to be talking a bit about psychedelics, but also the framework around psychedelics and why it's so important and useful. Um, so welcome on the podcast, Jessica. I'm really excited to have you here. Thank you, Thomas. I'm glad to be here. <laughs> I know. And this is like a second retake because the first one, everything <laughs> technically went wrong. And Jessica was super nice and said, we will do it again. So here we are. And at least it's working today. So Jessica, I would love to introduce you a bit to the listeners and just, you know, them get to know a bit about your story. So would you mind sharing a bit about how you even got into this field in the first place? Because it's a very specialized field, right? What caught your interest and kind of what is your background for being here today? Mm, well, yeah, so many questions. Let me try to do step by step. Uh, basically, I originally come from Brazil and I'm currently based in the Netherlands. And I have basically, yeah, like joined the field of psychedelic work about three to four years ago. And the way it actually happened, I think like it's very similar to a lot of people that are entering this space right now is when you go through a career shift and you feel like you haven't found exactly your purpose or what you are looking for in life. And then you end up, you know, somehow through some magic and synchronicities falling into the psychedelic space. And I have encountered psychedelics uh, for the first time in my life about six years ago, first through a recreational um, setting. And then after I further developed a relationship with the substances, even in a more healing way, I had the opportunity to start uh, an educational platform called Women of Psychedelics. Um, which is a platform that uh, really aims to bring education and events uh, for women who are in their healing journeys. And after that, I did start a mentorship with uh, an organization from here, from Amsterdam, in which I got a lot of experiential knowledge on holding space for people in 201 sessions. And, you know, from that... Uh, it just further developed. I do feel like when you are walking the talk or in the right path in life, there will be a lot of people that will come your way and opportunities that will, um, yeah, just show up for you. So during this past three years, I had the chance to get three different trainings, uh, one with uh, Psychedelics Today, their vital training, psychedelic therapy and integration uh, one trauma-informed plant medicine facilitation training with Atiratan, which was excellent as well. And the Compassionate Inquiry with Kiyomi Retreats and Dr. Gabor Mate. So since then, my I feel like my whole world has expanded in so many ways, feeling like I have more of the theoretical knowledge and also the connections and Yes, just in general, like really blossoming in this area that is very new for a lot of people, but also there's a lot of people that have been doing work uh, for a really long time in this space. So yeah, I'm, I'm going to pause there 
because yeah it's it's a lot in it and we can yeah just dive in on whatever you feel like it's coming oh, i'm so curious <laughs> about the gebomati training but i'll keep that question to afterwards because <laughs> the listeners might not want to hear that as much as i do because um, i was looking at doing that training as well but i think what i'm really curious about you said that you had recreational and then there was a point where you saw the healing potential i'm curious what's there some kind of personal experience that made you gravitate more towards that because I know for me it was mm. very personal like I like you I'd done lots of training I read all the books I understand the science now behind psychedelics and why it can be beneficial in certain settings and the right environment but I think it was really having a felt experience of it myself and what it did for my body you know and it changed a lot of my my even psychosomatic symptoms that I had, you know, mm. for many, mm. many years that I suffered from. And I even remember one experience where I, I remember I was lying down in nature and it was again being held by by a by a, a therapist who was sitting there with me. And I felt this warmth in my gut where I always had so much tension and felt real discomfort and I was getting a lot of chronic headaches. And I was just in nature and I felt this warmth. It's hard to explain because it's a sensation just this enormous warmth just coming. And it was incredible because after that, all this discomfort and tension that I literally had for 10 plus years dissipated. And I had a headache when I went into the experience. And I remember I literally asked my body, if you make me feel this pain, because you're creating the chemicals, <laughs> you have the receptors that makes pain possible. Surely you can also stop it. And the body was like, yeah, of course I can. You don't have to suffer. I said, can you do that now? And literally the migraine just went away. And that has then lasted afterwards where it's much, much rarer now. So I think that really taught me that when we have this embodied experience of, of almost attuning with our nervous system in a way we can't do in normal consciousness, right? Because we don't mm -hmm. have access to it then something fundamentally can change. And that just made me so fascinated that I had to learn and study. But I'm curious what maybe you had an experience that kind of was your catalyst for that. Mm, yes, uh, yes. Um, I feel like it was more of a sequence of different experiences. And from there, I will even pick up more on the recreational use of the substances because this is still a big part of my life. And I do see that a lot of healing also happens through, you know, recreational um, exploration. And I found that for me, um, initially my contact with psychedelics was really helpful on my own self-expression, uh, creativity, or feeling more empowered of, on, you know, showing different sides of me and how I would um, re like uh, interact with people in a social context or interact with people in a music festival and how I could express myself through dance or through singing and mm -hmm. things like that. So this was a big part of, I find like that's, that was definitely one of the catalysts Uh, type of experiences that psychedelics have gave to me but even more than that um, once I started to do journeys that were more focused with going inwards uh, that's when like this whole like box of things really opened up for me I 
could do a lot of understanding or like really like going back to a lot of things that had happened in the past in my life uh throughout my history my childhood history family dynamics and all of that and actually have a different perspective on many of those things uh so that deeply affected the way i view myself or i view myself in the world and you know my yeah even like my relationship with others so that that was also a very big thing that created a whole other sequence of events in my life in which i started to yeah relating to this work in a in another deeper level Mm. so it's really hard to point out one catalyst experience but more a combination of those but i think like one really important thing that i can say in there uh, it's no matter like what kind of views we are talking about, if it is in a therapeutical context or in a ceremonial context or even a recreational context, I think when you place intention and attention um, to being with, you know, the substance you are working with or, you know, um, I find that intention is actually very much what directs the experience you will have and what you're going to get out of it. Um, Yeah. I think that's such a wonderful and important point. And I found the same. And I think for me, that's why preparation is so important. Because if you just show up at random, then it can also be very random. I found if you really work on intention beforehand, that's much more likely what will be present during Mm -hmm. the experience too, and therefore will potentially be more beneficial, right? But it's also interesting because... I guess now there's all the research happening again that has started up and, you know, we're in stage three trials that might become legalized in more countries, but it's still very much based on the the medical model, right? The Western model, this idea that it's a therapeutic um, thing. And I would even say even the idea of therapy is very much a sign of a a fragmented society. There's nothing wrong with going to therapy at all, by the way, but the fact Mm -hmm. that we even need therapists is based on the fact that we have individualized societies, right? And we no longer do have community around us to support us anymore. What would naturally organically happen where we had that support already, right? So we wouldn't struggle in the same way we do. So we have individualized, separated ourselves, which has caused an enormous amount of mental health issues. And then we are trying to fix a fundamentally flawed structure by sending people to therapy right and as i said there's nothing wrong with therapy at all and it can be very helpful but i think it's interesting that we still even now when looking at psychedelics are looking within this model only and i'm not Mm -hmm. looking at and i'm curious about your opinions too this is obviously my kind of view that we are trying to fix something where actually maybe we need to look at the underlying structure of how we are living too but i'd love to get your input no, yeah, I 100% agree with you. I think like if we have a more holistic and broader view of, you know, not only your, what's going on inside, but our environment and what surrounds us. Um, and this is why I also think like psychedelics can be extremely effective in uh, giving us, you know, like this amplifier or this lens of what's wrong or what's missing for us or actually reminding us of like nothing is missing at times 
but really having this whole like this more holistic view on most of our issues nowadays uh they come from one sort of disconnection whether it is disconnection from the self disconnection from each other or disconnection from nature and earth uh this is one thing that i fully believe on and the when we pick therapy exactly the example you gave is like really trying to address that from one you know one narrow uh side of it but if you look into communities uh well proper societies that uh build more around community we don't see the same level of mental health uh concerns appearing in the in their population and that's where i think like you raise a very good point uh, it's it's actually showing us uh what is one of the problems in the foundation of the society that we have right now of being very segmented very individualized very isolated and i feel like even more you know with everything that happened in the past years uh when it comes to the pandemic or to technology advent, uh, advances or even other sorts of political polarizations we tend to become even more uh isolated from each other so i think i will make a pause there <laughs> because this can go on such a huge this can become like a whole podcast on itself <laughs> yes and you know what i don't even mind if it does because i think it's so important to have this conversation right and and it's not just about psychedelics people and i think even in the western model we are again going in that direction you know ketamine has been legalized and now some place in the us people go in to a stranger they don't know take ketamine <laughs> and then go home alone and they're missing the whole point they're mm -hmm. literally missing the whole point of why this could be beneficial and how these substances could be beneficial it's again mm -hmm. back to this we give people a pill and then we think they get better without looking at the underlying structure that either support an organism to flourish or make it slowly deteriorate right yeah. so we can give them anything but if we send them back to a dysfunctional environment the organism a human in this case is still going to deteriorate again right mm -hmm. so i think we we need to start looking much more about what do we have around and even idea of therapy it's an individual who go talk to a therapist alone we don't involve their partner their family with their friends because it's absurd right in mm -hmm. in a supportive environment where we flourish all these people would be involved if one person is struggling right and that yeah. means they're not just get support one hour a week or every two weeks when they go to their therapy session and all the rest of the time they're back in the normal dysfunctional setting they would then have support pretty much all the time mm -hmm. and of course that would facilitate a change in a totally different way right so actually even though it wasn't where we necessarily would talk i'd love to you know hear more what you think about how we can change this because even the current model on psychedelics is very much about this you're going to get it prescribed by a doctor then you might have a therapist who helped you facilitate it and then you go back to the same old environment so i'd love to hear your input on this <laughs> yeah yeah i think like the current yeah psychotherapeutic model that they are trying to pass through like does not really yeah address uh you know if you want to have longer term results on improving the well-being and lives of people it's much more interesting to look at actually what uh 
people have been doing this space for a really long time with underground group work or the work that they do, like most people do in retreats right now. Um, there is a reason why we do these things in groups, right? <laughs> so like, I fully believe that all of our wounds are relation relational. So therefore is our healing. When we come together in such spaces in which we can be um, more open and vulnerable and be triggered by other people or be held by other people, that's when actually the healing happens uh, for me. I've seen that so many times during this work. And don't get me wrong, because I do a lot of one-on-one work as well, and that also has its place, right? Mm -hmm. If people need more time to cultivate safety, if they need, you know, a more intimate setting in order to be able to open up uh, step by step, this is a very important part of the process. But it's I really see like a, the group work as a really huge catalyst for change and also for people to feel like um, there is an impact or there's a direct impact in what they are doing. Like we can literally be mirrors for each other when we are sitting in such spaces uh, with others. And at the same time, yeah, I really see as well how we can use this opportunity to give more meaning and purpose uh, for people in their own healing journeys or when they go back home, like how they can continue to replicate that and bring that back to their communities or to their close friends. So that's where I think like, um, and I really hope uh, that more people in this space will start to look more into that is that we are relational beings at the end of the day. So the more of that we have, the more connection yes. we have and time with yes. each other. Yeah. <laughs> But you know, I think you're so right when you say there's a place for both. You said there's individual and there's also group. And I think that's spot on because even in a community, when we lived in more tribal, there was still elder, wiser people where you could go to get individual advice, right? Which we can say is kind of like, you know, a, a therapist or whatever you go to that you can process with individual. But I think you would then go back to the tribe, right? I think the difference is here you go back to sitting alone or whatever in your own place, go back to isolation and And this is what I find really fascinating because you're spot on. It's all social, right? Pretty much all our wounds are social. The one that lasts long, right? Any kind of complex trauma is created by social, a breach of trust with other people. Yeah. So, of course, we need to involve other people again in reestablishing that and creating because it's not enough to understand. We need a felt sense, right? of safety and you can yes. only do that by having an experience and not just talking about it. And I think one thing that my one of my journeys taught me with psilocybin was very much this sense of community and connectedness. And it did change all my priorities afterwards of how I choose to live my life, which eventually have now changed my life. And just as an example, I used to be control freak and with my businesses, I wanted to do everything myself. And it was actually very disconnected. And I, I didn't feel very good, actually, even though I had financial success. Um, 
And also I wasted an enormous amount of time trying to do everything myself. Now I do the opposite. I do in collaboration. And <laughs> I accept that I trust in others, which feels so much better and actually is creating much more wonderful things than I could ever do on my own. Because mm -hmm. other people have so much. But I had to go through my own fear of that yeah. connection, right? And that really helped me do that. Um, and it's fascinating how that changed every choice I then did afterwards, right? And how that has started creating and cultivating community in itself mm -hmm. to do that, to seek out collaboration, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm just wondering. And, of course, this is something you and me are working on um, <laughs> at the moment. So, you know, maybe it's interesting to have a discussion. How can we help facilitate? Because you mentioned retreats, and, yes, there are retreats. But I still feel, uh, you know, from my own experience and other people I know, you often go on a retreat and then you come home and you're still alone. You're still back in your old environment. So it's hard to sustain the improvement that maybe you had for, you know, doing the retreat and right after, right? So mm -hmm. I guess, yeah, it's an interesting idea, again, that there's not this treatment model, but how can we create ongoing, you know, sense of, and also what even, what is community, right? Because I think we even lost that idea. So maybe we can talk a bit about that if you want. <laughs> yeah, we can do that. Um, yeah, I can even start back. What is community for you? Yes, that is a great question. So I think for me, community consists of, a group of people that are together and have a shared sense of value, which is mm -hmm. very important. I don't think it there can be coexistent without some kind of shared sense of value. And then there's also shared goals that we work on together. And I know we talked about this before. I think that's often what's lacking. Even in co-living, we might yeah. live in the same house. But if we all live complete separate lives and go to our jobs and do our separate things, we're not working on anything together. And in all communities, you know, before we come into industrialization and we became so separate, we all worked on common goals, which was that we had to survive. So we had to hunt together. We had to get warmth together. We had to build shelter together. We literally needed each other. And actually in needing each other, now we're often trying to, I don't need anybody, right? You hear this all the time. <laughs> I don't need it. Mm -hmm. But actually we flourish when we do need others and can come together and share values when we can all find our strengths and feel we have a role, so we feel we're doing something meaningful. So mm -hmm. I think that that's what yeah. it means to me. But now yeah, no, I'm going to throw it back to you. <laughs> <laughs> I resonate with every word that you shared. It's interesting. I was watching, a, well, I was also listening to a podcast the other day from Charles Eisenstein. I don't know if you know his work, but if you don't, oh my gosh, Thomas, you <laughs> love it. I'm going to be sending that to you. Um he was talking about like how in our society we if you if i ask you to picture yourself like imagine yourself just existing in our society we would just make a imaginary picture of us but in community societies they will make an imaginary picture of them together with other people and i think that really touches um, very well this point of disconnection uh, where we are at uh, in which we've like and it, it's really connected with uh, the ego as well and our separation from all even from nature and I I think like if if we really want to get somewhere uh, 
in general, like even with the future of our planet, with climate change and everything else, uh, we need to go back uh, to seeing ourselves as part of something, uh, as having yeah their shared goals or their shared existence and really acknowledging our interconnectedness with all so that we can start, you know, saving us, if you want to call it like that, and saving our planet. I find that now what happens uh, with most retreats in the psychedelic space nowadays is you are, when you sign up for something like that, it's because you are lacking some sort of purpose in your life or you are looking for answers uh, most of the times. Or, and it's interesting that to go and find that, you have to get yourself completely out of your normal context, send yourself to another country mm. <laughs> or to the middle of the jungle and have this crazy experience uh, with a lot of people that you probably not going to see again in your lifetime and go back home um, with a limited time and amount of support uh, to actually digest and understand how that happened Uh like everything that happened with you during the psychedelic experience. And I feel that this model, not necessarily saying, oh, okay, it's bad to get out of your context to do something like that, because I think it can be very helpful to be out of your, you know, you know, day-to-day uh, reality in order to be able to see certain things a, li a little bit deeper. But what we are lacking right now, it's a better system of support for people to have before and after those experiences. And exactly as you said, uh, it's like more like ongoing systems of support that can look in many different ways, but that actually would help people to understand that integration is an ongoing process and that they wouldn't go back home and feel like they are completely alone um, and that they have nobody to talk to about this crazy ayahuasca trip that they had. Um, and basically, like uh, I think from the conversations we have been having a lot lately, um, it really made me think more about like how can we actually uh, bring more into that, into the current format that we have of like providing these experiences and how would actually this ongoing relationships look like and this ongoing support could look like? Or even is there something that you could translate from individual experiences that could ripple in the collective mm -hmm. because that's where I think like the beauty really lies and we bring back to the community topic as well. So, yes, I like that. And you know, you also mentioned nature and the connection with nature, which I think is important to also just bring up because, you know, my friend, she lives in central London and all you see is gray complexes around her building and she loves plants. So she has so many plants. And I thought, what is the irony? that we have removed ourselves into concrete buildings and then we go out to, to bring nature <laughs> yeah. inside, right? <laughs> mm -hmm. And and the thing is, we, we were meant to be in nature, right? So even there's a disconnect and suddenly being surrounded by concrete and loud cars, which is not mm -hmm. at all 
what our nervous system naturally was adapted to be with and also in all bigger cities and you know i live close to london london but any big city you will see that people tend to shut down they stare only at their phone and they often feel less mm -hmm. connected than in smaller communities right mm -hmm. and it's because it's overwhelming we were not built to have to relate to nine million people right <laughs> so therefore the nervous system just shut down so what i think we need and this is part of what i want to talk about the whole integration that you kind of started up this conversation which maybe shouldn't even be called integration. It should just be creating functional <laughs> environments. But, you know, we are meant to be in smaller groups where we actually can know people and where we feel safe. And I think yeah. from that place, we are able to connect, right? So I guess, yes, the question is, how can we create something where people maybe go to have an experience, a psychedelic experience that bring them back in contact with self, with nature, with others in a way that they have become very disconnected from, no fault of their own and how can we then create these smaller parts or groups of shared community support and goals that we were talking about um mm -hmm. so yeah i love to hear from you and of course i have my input we are working on doing some of this together <laughs> so you know this is why it's a very relevant and current discussion right because i know we're both passionate about changing this that is not just going to take a substance but it's how do we create the structure for people to come back and actually continue what will nurture their their whole organism. Yeah, yeah. I think like you're touching very important points in there, like the the power that smaller groups have. Uh, it's a big one of working with smaller groups in a more um, in-depth way. Uh, I think one of the things that retreats do already do is that, but also like bringing people more into nature. Um, just inviting people to slow down a little bit more and be present without distractions, right? Uh, these things, like, they are very simple things, but, yeah, we tend to lose them in our day-to-day -day business. Uh, and this have been one of the main aspects that have been equally as healing and impactful uh, on people who have had the psychedelic experiences under those settings. Now, I think the gap in there is how can we translate these things and actually bring them into all the different contexts and different environments and day-to-day -day lives uh, from all the different people that are attending and having these experiences, right? Um, for someone, yeah, like you give the example, for someone who comes to the Netherlands and stay for five days in the countryside, has truffle, uh, psilocybin truffles experience, and, you know, a whole program of mindfulness and connecting with themselves, and then they, they need to go back to busy center London. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> but like how how then um can we find tools and resources to support the person that is in that context because they cannot be removed from you know their reality not everybody has the chance of like okay now i need to completely change my life and go live in a off-grid community in the countryside you know but how can we actually do that uh yeah 
in the within the realities that people are living in and that's where i think the challenge is i know i did not get to answer the question but it's i think yeah. this is really important what you're bringing up because yeah one thing is talking about a fantasy oh we're all going to live in tribal communities in nature but that's not the reality people live under right mm -hmm. so i think it's really good that you bring it back in that way to to where are we and how can we do that here and i guess One of the things that are different with the medical model is, again, very stuck in, you know, they do this and then they do talk therapy mm -hmm. because that's basically what has been the general model, right? And I think I think where we are lucky is we are not limited by that. So we can bring so many other modalities and things into this to help yeah. create this in people's everyday life. And I know even when I host ecstatic dances in nature, mm -hmm. it's so simple. All we do, because people can go listen to music and dance in a club, So what is it really we do different? Yes, the music is a bit different, but that's not what it's about. We ask people to put away their telephone. Yeah, that's number one. Nobody's on the telephone. Instead of standing filming the DJ or being somewhere else, put away the telephone because otherwise we can't be present with each other, right? Mm -hmm. Then we take them into nature instead of being within four walls, right? Suddenly there's a connection to nature. Suddenly it brings us a bit back to this tribal experience, right? Of what we used to do. We used to dance around the campfire. Yeah. And we even put up a campfire and suddenly help people come into that connection, right? And it's very fascinating. We even talked, you know, about what we are doing and creating this integration for people, etc. Mm -hmm. And retreat integration experience that giving them something to do together even if it's cooking making food together right yeah. something very simple and and through that uh, a diversity of activities mm -hmm. then make them realize we are accomplishing something together we are all needed here somebody might be setting up the fire somebody else is chopping mm -hmm. the fish and they all feel useful and they're all helping to accomplish something and in that If there's continuity, you build trust, you build support network, right? So this yeah. is just one example, I think, that maybe we can start doing it. But, you know, definitely want to hear your input as well. No, yeah, 100%. I think, like, in there is um, a lot on how can we translate this into our own individual means of self-expression or, you know, in a way that resonates with you or not. So, like... If you go back again to the example of somebody who is living in busy London, although London is a place that you have access right now to all these beautiful events and communities uh, to attend, like to cacao ceremonies, ecstatic dance opportunities. And I find um, nothing stops someone from also organizing smaller things within their circle and like kind of continuously creating this sense of purpose and sense of meaning in what I'm doing and in what I'm bringing mm -hmm. uh, into the world. I find uh, we oftentimes tend to forget um, how important it is, these micro impacts that we can have and how much they can give us, you know, this yes. sense of... Um, worthiness back in one way or another um we tend to like really look at the bigger bigger picture and bigger things and think like oh yeah for me to have an impact i need to do like all these big you know gigantic uh -huh. things and that, that stops you from even started doing something in the first place but if you bring this understanding that okay i was in this um 
retreat experience and every night we cooked together or we sung around the fire or we simply danced in a morning rave and you want to bring this to your friends or to the people you know that are close to you in your neighborhood in a way that is translated uh, you know that reflects um that speaks to them you would be surprised how much impact that actually has yeah i like that because again often it can feel overwhelming to feel mm -hmm. you have to like you said change a world or start something huge right and we are already overwhelmed with tasks in our daily lives yeah. and you know stress but i think you're right it starts very small you know when i started the dance things i would literally bring a tiny little speaker to the woods <laughs> and then get a few friends dancing mm -hmm. and then we would sit or invite people over and ask everybody to bring some food so we all contributed yeah. right instead of just being one person cooking for everybody else again yeah, it becomes operation. a community activity right mm -hmm. and it's not as overwhelming because then i suddenly don't have to prepare everything right mm -hmm. so that means it becomes easier to then do just like you said small little things I have a games night with some people where they come over and again you do something together right it's about creating a sense of togetherness and where everybody get a chance to somehow contribute i think and you're right that can be in movement it can be anything right yeah where we are doing something and it doesn't have to be big and small moments like this has an impact both on you but also the people that of course you incorporate right so in that If you invite six people, you already impacted seven people's lives. <laughs> and then, okay. you know, if everybody does it once in a while, it's not that much work. And then suddenly you start having continuously social access and support, mm -hmm. which I think is, and the reason this is so important to talk about is, you know, when people come to me for help, often they don't have that in place, a support structure, right? And one of the things I often tell them is, let's work on that first before you even think yeah. about whether you want to do a psychedelics because, you know, that's what's going to be the core of this. So let's look at first, how can you have that structure in place mm -hmm. before you go take whatever psilocybin in the Netherlands, right? Yeah. And often people are like, no, I just want, you know, to go on a psilocybin retreat in the Netherlands. I said, that's your choice, but I wouldn't recommend it because you will just come back to the same environment. And over time, you'll go back to feeling how you're feeling now. You might escape it for a short while, but unless we make these fundamental changes, it's going to be the same eventually. Yeah, um, yeah. And at times, you know, like there might be people who live really close to you who also need somebody to talk about that it's just like <laughs> that's that's also the thing like with the big cities and everything we have right now we don't know that there are others who are maybe close to us who could use like uh some sharing and like so it's interesting to see how we can actually bridge those gaps and actually invite more connection yes and i think you know even when we like you said in a big city when you walk around today wherever you go and look around and maybe people are looking at their phones our way these are all human beings that crave connection and it might be difficult for different reasons maybe they have trauma maybe they're overwhelmed Um, there are many different reasons, but just look at them and realize that these are all human beings like you that actually crave to be in connection, even if it feels too scary in that moment for whatever reason. 
Um, and I think you're right. It's, and especially as this become more and more prominent, which it is, I think psychedelics has been talked about more and more. There's a lot of people that have these experiences, but then go back and have nobody to talk about. So you're right. There's probably a lot more people than, than you realize that are out there that would love to be able to share, right? That would mm. love to come together and that do have a common purpose. Because I think the common purpose that we all have, whether we lost contact with it or not, is that we want to connect with one another. Yeah. that is part of the core why we're here Mm -hmm. um so yeah i'm curious about how you see the future now of what might be happening you know you and me are obviously doing some collaboration but also the future as the whole field where it might be moving we are still obviously very stuck Mm -hmm. in this medical model in the west but like you said there's a lot of people doing other things so where do you kind of see it moving Mm -hmm. oh that's a tricky question right because i can (laughs) I can have, um, you know, two viewpoints in there where I see it moving, I think, and I don't like it. Or I can choose to look into my other viewpoint of like, this is where I hope it's moving. (laughs) Let's have both. Can we have both? (laughs) Yes. Um, So I found myself uh, this year quite concerned. when it came to like looking at organizations that are more or less like on top of this space and looking um, at their structure, uh, just basically the way they uh, present present themselves in this space and actually realizing like there is still a very capitalistic mindset of like scaling as fast as possible, making as much profit as we can and let's forget all of our human values from the people that work with us and for us (laughs) which is really concerning um, to me and at times I feel like even though I would like to think uh, this is a space that people are more aware and uh, more conscious um, I do see a lot of these mistakes being replicated um also when it comes to which is a whole other podcast topic by the way like (laughs) um you know ethics and in facilitation work or you know safety and all of that um so when i look from that lens i tend to become a little bit um negative uh, be, more coming from the fear of um, are we as a society continue to, going to continue to replicate the same mistakes in this space and that can have a consequence of suddenly um, all the ad- advances that we have been doing scientifically with the substances be pushed back again or in another way the medical model be the only model that is recognized, which I find is quite worrying as well, because I think there are many ways of doing this work that can be um, more um, suitable even for people than the the medical Western framework. But if I want to look at the bright side or like what I actually hope for this field is... And I've been seeing this flourishing more and more in this 
2023 is People really looking more into the importance of community, um, looking more into how can we do, how can we work more together. The collaborations uh, that you touched upon, I think that's really a way forward in the space. Like, how can we co-create, you know, a psychedelic space that we that we like, you know, envision for ourselves how can we do that together and how can we build that together and my hopes are that we actually get to change uh all of these things that we spoke about during this episode of people feeling disconnected and isolated but bring more inclusion and bring more this sense of you know belonging and sense of purpose, of being part of something bigger, of being part of something that can actually have a very positive impact in the world if we treat it with, you know, intention and attention. Yeah, thank you so much for sharing that, Jessica. And, you know, I, similar like you, have two different perspectives, and I think they can equally be true. There's one which is, I guess, more pessimistic, which mm -hmm. is looking at how we are trying to, again, medicalize it meaning they will be manufactured by pharmaceuticals and only their pills so again you won't be able to actually eat a real mushroom that grows naturally mm -hmm. in nature right and we still don't know the full chemical composition even though we know psilocybin is the main active there's in a real mushroom we know there's other parts in it as well right so there's a bit of a disconnect again both from nature but also from the natural source and you know as a businessman who has started different businesses before i looked at a financial model for scaling psychedelics and there isn't one that is both ethical and mm -hmm. financially profitable there isn't one i really tried there isn't one because as we talk about what is required for this to work is social capital, meaning human time and yeah. attention, and that is expensive. You cannot make this work ethically or even practically because the benefits long-term won't be there by getting somebody in and just giving them a pill, right? Which is very much what it's all based on, this idea that we can scale it. Somebody come, mm -hmm. we give them a pill, we can mass manufacture, and there there's profit, right? It's not possible because the whole point of psychedelics is bringing back to connection and actually slowing down, which is almost counter to a capitalistic model, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So therefore, I think what I am, though, you know, legally, like I said, I'm a bit pessimistic because I think what's going to be legalized is a normal model, pharmaceuticals, mass manufacturing, there's people coming in, being prescribed a pill by some doctor who has no real proper training and understanding in this, And then they maybe take that with the therapist and go back to their lives, right? Um, that I'm not that optimistic, but I am optimistic about all the people that I see working on creating something else, you know, and that are trying to create community, that are trying to create different ways of integrating and different support systems. And I think that will happen independently on a medical model. I wish that it could very much be legalized so it didn't have to be something people go around and do underground etc right but yeah. that we could recognize it because i think that would make it safer just like we yeah. saw when they decriminalized drugs in portugal everybody thought that meant that it would become such a big issue no it actually make it more accessible to get clean syringes to get treatment and support right mm -hmm. um and i think we would see the same here that the innovation would happen much faster and probably produce much better results 
if we open it up. So that's what I'm hoping for. <laughs> but, <laughs> but Jessica, I want to, I love to, because people might have listened to this and want to know more about you. Mm-hmm. And of course, when you and me have our project up running, we will announce that as well. But now if people want to see your work and you obviously run these women's group, which might be really interesting to the female listeners, could yeah. you tell them a bit more? How can they find out about your work? Where would they go? Yes. Uh, so if people want to find out more about my work, uh, also one-on-one work or small group work, they can check out my website, which is jessicalagarde.com. Or if they want to learn more about our work with women on psychedelics and our method and like how we are trying to bring on uh, all this idea of connection and community and psychedelic education uh, to women from all over the world, they can go to womenonpsychedelics.org. Amazing. And we'll put the link in the descriptions as well so people can go check that out. And Jessica is amazing, so I would definitely recommend (laughs) checking out so yeah it's been such a joy having you on the podcast and while I could continue and continue I also know people's ears need a rest Um, but yeah it's just been really lovely and I really love the whole focus about (laughs) creating more community and I look forward to obviously launching with you some of these projects where we can help create that for people yes thank you so much Thomas I don't think this will be the last one (laughs) No, exactly. It's like it is just scratching the surface, right? <laughs> but, yeah. <laughs> but it's been such a joy and I look forward to having you on again soon. Yes, yes. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Have a beautiful day, Jessica. <laughs> you too.